0: Bibles now, too. We've got five minutes left for the sermon, <laughs> but I can stretch it into 35. You know it. You know it. So open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. And oh, man, I hope you brought your helmets. This is the nitty-gritty where things get real. Do, do you have a helmet, Simon? He, he actually does have a helmet. Good job you I brought us helmet. He rode a bike here, but that, that still counts. And Paul is writing to his church at Ephesus, who now knows Jesus, knows the truth, knows the way, and knows the life. Knows how to get there, yet unfortunately, like you and me, they're not all there yet. They're still in the world. How many of you guys right now are living in the world? Okay, it's a trick question. You're like, I don't know. No, I didn't say you're of the world. I didn't say you're of the world. I said, you're in the world. You're here right now. You're, you're dealing with it. Every single day, you get a little narnar. You get a little nasty. You walk in some stuff, and you even think some stuff, and you do some stuff. And maybe you're surprised at that, and Jesus says, yeah, hey, I've got a way for you to now walk. Now that you're a Christian, you're in me, and he goes over that in chapters one through three, you're sitting in Christ, man. Once you sat in Christ, you can't not sit in Christ. He did this to you. He made you alive. You can't make yourself spiritually dead once he's made you alive. It's his work in you. And when that's been done, what's the next step? Just stay sitting? He says, no, no, no. From your comfy understanding of grace, how you've been saved, I want you to now walk. I want you to walk. I want you to walk the talk i want you to be a christian now and he tells us to walk in unity the first thing he does i just love how that's the number one thing he addresses there shouldn't be any divisions in the body of christ it just ought not to be so or even within churches walk in unity we covered all that and then he goes into this walk in purity bit this whole deal he says by the way the world is getting weirder and weirder and you need to walk in purity you need to make sure you're pure because two main reasons if this is all you get you have got enough to go forward ready two main reasons if you're not pure like your windshield being dirty, you won't see God properly. It's just he loves you too much. He says, oh, don't do that. That'll, that'll poison the vessel. That'll mess with the stew. That'll mess with who you are. That'll, that won't get, you won't see God. Jesus said it this way, blessed are the pure in heart, that is you have a pure heart, for they shall see God. Did you know that seeing God is the greatest ecstasy that the country fair cannot counterfeit? Seeing God actually seeing him, really seeing him, your life will change forever. Your joy will be unshakable. Your foundation will be finally buildable when you see God like Noah Hines, like Luke Farchette, like those who go to Young Life Camp and have that experience like you. Now that I see him, now I can walk with him and be pure because if I don't be pure, I won't see him. And also the Bible teaches that without a pure heart, without us doing what we're supposed to do, the world's gonna look at you, the world's gonna look at me and they're not gonna see God properly. He says, be very careful, church. Your life is important, and you're to live it as a missionary, if you would, to the world. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you can just write it down and look at it later. He says at the end there, the very last verse, he says, and glorify God in your bodies. First question, do you seek to glorify God with your body? That is your actions, your attitudes, your, your attempts. I mean, is that just, I want, I'm going to glorify God in the way I work, the way I finance, the, the way I neighbor, the way I parent? The way I dance, maybe you're a good dancer, the way I'm going to glorify God in my body. He goes on to say, though, in 1 Corinthians 6, the very last verse, glorify God in your bodies, which were bought at a price. Here, Here it is. For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. This understanding that I sit in Christ because of his purchase, man, it now motivates me to move forward. And then once I sit in Christ and I walk with Christ, I can then, listen, here's the good part. The Bible in chapter 6 gets us to the point where he says, now stand in Christ. And he says to stand victorious. How many of you guys know that victory is what we're all after in every aspect of our life? Like, I just want to win. Okay, I want to be the best at what I do. I want to have the best lawn. I want to have the best, you know, attempt at washing my car. I I just want to be the best that I can do. I don't want to be better than you. That's a weird goal. But I want to be the best I can be. I want to be victorious for who I am. And I hope you want to be victorious for who you are. That's the goal, and he says, oh, yeah, it's easy. Sit, walk, stand. Sit in Christ, walk as he tells us to, and then you'll stand victoriously. Victory is where God wants you to be. He wants you to walk in victory, but he doesn't just tell you to go get it, run out there as fast as you can, and pull yourself up by the bootstraps. That won't work. And if you've ever looked at people, maybe football players, guys throwing hook and ladders or, or, or slants or, or these dime bombs right into the end zone. You're like, how did they do that? They were born that way, no practice required. <laughs> yeah, Right? No, no, no. These guys... Mike Singletary, okay, the great linebacker for the Chicago Bears, he would watch games before playing them against opponents, and it would take him three hours to watch half a game, which is like 20 minutes long or something like that, three hours because he would watch each play 10 times and analyze each player how they would play that play in order that Mike Singletary, if you guys don't know Mike Singletary, you don't know Mike Singletary, that's okay, Mike Singletary, man, he'd get out there and play, that would be crazy, he could tackle you just by looking at you, you know what I'm saying, he was so intense, how did he get so good? How did he get so intense? Because he walked, and he disciplined himself, and he did what needed to be done to be Mike Singletary, to be the best. And so Paul now is saying, you're not going to just throw bombs, and you're not going to be a high-powered CEO of anything without some real discipline. Tiger Woods, when he became, earlier, the best golfer in the world, would train from 12 to 16 hours a day, not just with golf, but with working out and diet. He would train the most, and when interviewed, the guy was very solemn. Like, what's the best thing about golf for you? He was like, winning I'm not kidding. And they say, what, what else? is like winning. I'm here to win. There's no other objective. I'm not here to, you know, have fun. or I'm, I'm here to win. And what I do is going to move me to win. Victory. Victory. And you just have to kind of settle up today and say, what do I want to get out of my life? What do I want to be? Do I want to walk in victory or do I kind of walk in marginalism or minimalism? Or do you just want to walk in here and just be not bugged or called upon? As I said already, you only get so many days and dollars to steward. And so when Paul tells us what he tells us, you need to understand God's heart. He's not some cosmic joy killer, some buzzkill up in heaven saying, don't do this, don't do that. And I know you really want to do that, so that I'm going to say don't do too. He's not doing it for our bad. He's doing it for our benefit. And I've been teaching this for weeks. Sin. The things that God forbids, the things that in his scripture he tells us clearly, don't do this, don't do this, and don't do this. He tells us that not because they're forbidden, but because they're bad. He forbids things from us that will ultimately hurt us, and you don't even need to raise your hand, but how many of you have learned the hard way? You know what I'm saying? Man, experience is the best teacher. You're like... (laughs) <laughs> can i get a witness <laughs> you know I like yeah dude i've done some things man and, and my parents taught me all about the right way you know and i'm like in jail telling people you know the right way you know it's not this way that's for sure you know <laughs> experience is the best teacher but it doesn't have to be your experience You can learn even today. You can read the book and say, okay, 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 okay. And you can listen to Noah Hines up here or Luke Freshette or whoever, and you can glean or or the Apostle Paul. So uh, without further ado, let's read some text. And we've studied this. This is week three in chapter five. He says, therefore, verse one, be imitators as dear children and walk in love. There's that that four-letter W word, walk, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us and offering a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And in verse 3, he says, but fornication, whoa, and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness. This is in reference to sexuality and coarse jesting. He says, foolish talking, coarse jesting, which are not fitting. But instead of being a, one of those, give thanks, verse 5, for this you know, that no fornicator or unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater. That's kind of the key reference point there if you're reading this for the first time. He references all these carnal sins that all of us deal with on one level or another, okay? There's no one getting out of this unscathed. All of us have this brokenness, okay? We call it perversion and upside-downness in our humor, in our sexual prowess, in our understanding. And he says that the person who makes these things their idol, who justifies it, promotes it, and protects it, and says, nope, this is right and okay. He says that, ooh, careful. Be very careful. He's not saying for the Christian who struggles, or the Christian who gets taken out every once in a while, for the man or the woman that looks at something on the internet, oh, I can't believe I looked at that, or, or the person who feels a certain way sexually, I just wish this feeling would go away. He's not talking about that person. He's talking about the person who locks stock and barrel, says this is how God made me, and I'm going to run this course. Mm-hmm. See, the reality is you were made by God, but you were made Broken. And God says, here's the deal. I now come to redeem you. I come to make things right. I can give you power to overcome. I can give you forgiveness to heal. I can give you purpose to live. I can do this. And you can hand in hand be my, dare I say it this way, trophy of grace. And I stand before you one who has not been perfect in my life by any stretch. And I stand before you as one who is right now perfectly forgiven. And there's nothing in my life that is sinful or perverse or bent out of shape that I protect and promote. I call it exactly what it is. To say that you are not a sinner is to call God a liar. I have plenty of sin, just like you do. The one thing I don't do with my sin is try and tell you it's not sin. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, have you been around that before? I counsel with people all the time, like, what's going on? Well, I got this, this, and this. I'm like, okay, we need to deal with that. Why? I'm like, <laughs> okay. Now, I've got, and when you get to that point, when you're walking in the light, and you can say, oh, I've got plenty of sin. Don't, don't let me off the hook, pastor. Don't, don't tell me it's okay. I don't need that. I need you to stab me in the front with the truth. Not, not stab me in the back behind my back, but tell, give me the truth. When you go to the doctor, the last thing you want the doctor to do is give you a partial report. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't tell me the bad news. Just tell me the good news. As a matter of fact, lie to me. <laughs> you know? No, you don't do that. You say, doc, phew, tell me. I need to know. I need to know what's wrong, and I need to know what we can do to make it right. You need to tell me. And doctors have that. It's an obligation to tell you the truth, so too is your pastor and God's word. And So when he says it's not even fitting for saints, verse 5, I'll read it again so you understand. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man, which we all are, who is an idolater, who makes this his or her definition, their identity, the one who says, nope, it's okay with me. ...that I'm this way. I got lots of things I'm not okay with. The person, though, who doesn't see God's kingdom, as he says it. He has, this person, they have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Why would you not have an inheritance with God? Because you've made your value, that which you have worth in your life, something that's not godly. You've actually settled for something less. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with him. And we studied that last week, ended on verse 7. And Paul warns us, saying, careful, there are a thousand and one different bloggers and critics and camps that will deceive you with empty words telling you it's okay to do it your way. You can go to Burger King right now and have it your way. You know, you can have, take a break. It's Kit Kat time. You to go, whatever, you can t- take this. And there are, th- I'll tell you what, I see this all the time. Maybe you don't. And this is a battle for truth in our society. A battle for truth and grace. Jesus came with grace and said, I'm going to love you. I'm going to forgive you. I'm taking you all to heaven. But here's how you get there. Okay, you got to repent. You got to own your stuff. You got to let me forgive you. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, did you know what the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is? The only sin that's not forgivable is not fornication. You realize that, right? Okay. The only sin that's not forgivable is not murder. It's not even suicide. People ask that from time to time. The only unforgivable sin is saying no to the Holy Spirit. When you say no to what he is saying yes to, and the Holy Spirit says, don't do that. This is right. That is wrong. And you say no to him, unfortunately, you push yourself outside of the forgiveness zone. And God says, ooh, like, Wow. But Based on your attitude, I actually can't forgive you. You've rejected forgiveness. But when you say yes to God, yeah, he's right. He's so right, and I'm so wrong. Grace, like rain, forgives you. And you're still all messed up, and you're all backwards still, and you're still broken, and God's going to move you forward. He loves you just the way you are, but too much to let you stay that way. But when you, with that attitude of gratitude, it's really up in your mind when you say, yes, Lord. Lord, Satan, Lord, you're it. You're the deal. And right then, in the midst of your jail cell or in the midst of your perversion or in the midst of your upside-downness, you can worship him and say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me from myself. And you say yes to the Holy Spirit instead of no, and you receive forgiveness. It's so rich. It's so great. Don't be deceived with empty words from any other source. Paul's warning the church at Ephesus that, by the way, was more depraved than our culture. (laughs) You, You know that, right? I mean, it was nutty back then, the things that, anyways, verse eight, we're moving on. This is new territory for our study time today. Micromachine mini guy, here we go. For you were once darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Oh, walk as children of the light. We're gonna see this juxtaposition, this contrast between light and darkness now. For the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, verse 10, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them or reprove them or contradict them or counter them, verse 12. For it's shameful even to speak of those things which are done in secret But all things that are exposed Are made manifest by the light For whatever makes manifest is light Therefore he says Awake you who sleep Arise from the dead What God does to you when you say yes to him And Christ will give you light That verse alone is worth memorizing today Awake you who sleep and cr- Awake you who sleep Arise from the dead How do you raise yourself from the dead? Is that an easy trick? It's impossible Someone has to do it to you Christ has to save you. I'm not asking anybody here today to clean themselves up, to to, to get better, to do more, to think smarter, try harder, run faster. What you need is you need the Holy Spirit to breathe into you that new life, that new purpose, that new position, that new destiny because of the activity, because of the identity. When he makes you who you are, everything becomes right. He says, wake up, man, and Christ will give you light. Verse 15, see then that you walk as circumspectly, Literally walk looking in a circle Circumspectly Look around Don't just walk around like an idiot Circumspectly As a matter of fact he says Not as fools but as wise Redeeming the time because the days are evil Therefore do not be unwise But understand what the will of the Lord is And do not be drunk with wine What about champagne (laughs) We talked about that weeks ago In which is dissipation But instead be filled with the Holy Spirit he, he, he contrasts this relationship with the world and its ways. And you all know the ways of the world. Man, you know how good things feel. The world, the counterfeit of God and the, the love and the ecstasy and the joy of alcohol. Or maybe some of you know what drugs feels like. Oh, man. Maybe you know what it's like to have a codependent relationship or something. He says, don't do any of that. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instead of being dependent on something else, be dependent upon God. You were supposed to be in fellowship with him. That's where you're supposed to get your source. And if you're here today, you know the difference of being right where you're supposed to be in the presence of God with his love flowing over you under the spout where the blessings come out. There is no drug. There is no drink. There is no relationship. There is no experience that can counterfeit what God produces, the real thing. That's why you're here today on a, on a Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Listening to me talk, because you know it's the real deal. He says in verse 19 what this will look like. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Let's pray quickly and then study even quicker. Lord, in Jesus' name, we just, we love you. It's just another Sunday, Send Back Sunday, and hearing from Young Life, and Uh, It's just so much six-year anniversary, and and Ephesians 5, and so much good stuff. And there's family here, and there's people, there's new people, there's tourists. Uh, Lord, in Jesus' name, we just ask that today would count, and that we would have a fire stoked underneath us, that we would have, Lord, our bones, Lord, filled with the flesh of the spirit, and we would grow, and we wouldn't just be skeletons, but instead, Lord, spiritually, we would be strong with muscles and purpose. And I just ask for your help now, in Jesus' name, Lord, to articulate the truth, that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, I've already uh, underscored the reality that God wants us to walk in victory. He just wants us to be victorious. He wants us when we throw those long bombs spiritually, when we do what we do, he wants it to work. And so he says, this is the way to, w- to get to victory, chapter six, you gotta walk in integrity, walk in holiness, walk in purity, walk in unity. And in order to walk it all, man, you gotta sit first. <laughs> I'm just gonna say this quickly. If you don't know God's love for you, If you're not just so ecstatic, if you're not submitted to God in all things by saying he's right, I'm wrong, it's awesome. (laughs) I just love him because he loves it. If you're not there yet, don't try and walk for him. You're going to mess it up. Don't even expect to be victorious. That's cray-cray. But if you are sitting in him, and it's just so fun, man, life is so darn fun, even though I blow it all the time, God then will say, ooh, let's now walk together, and you'll ultimately end in victory. That is his goal for you to do well. Let's study verse eight through as far as we can get, and then we'll see what happens. He says this, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. He contrasts this darkness and light mentality throughout the couple next verses. He says, you were darkness at one time, now you're light. Redeem that lightness. Redeem that time. Walk as children of the light. If you you have a testimony, you know what it was like to be in that darkness. You know what it was like to be lost, to, to make up your own rules, to do your own things, and ultimately get your own bills spiritually and physically and emotionally in the mail. And it was dark. And he says, don't you're not that way anymore. You're a child of the light. This is a new you, and you get the opportunity to forge a new path. As a matter of fact, I do CrossFit here in town, and uh, they just recently offered a class. It's not a CrossFit class, and maybe they'll do it again, and it's called the new you, and it's for people who want to have a new identity in their, in their physical fitness and in their, their dietary disciplines, and so it's kind of a base level entry, and all these people are joining. It's called the new you. I like that. Because who doesn't want to have a new you, you know, what I mean? like a new me? It's like, do I got to do anything about it? You know, is there a pill you rub on your head and it's just you get a new you? And It's like, well, no, but you want a new you, don't you? Yeah, I do. Okay, well, here's how you do it. In Christ, you sit in him, man, and then you walk with him and you begin to then learn the disciplines of Christ. And he says, walk in the light, man, because walking in the light is the exact opposite of darkness. And I'll tell you what. Your identity to walk in the light always determines your activity, which will determine your destiny. You ever driven down a road before with your lights off? You know, all these people flashing you. Or maybe they don't flash you. Maybe you're just on the way. Like, it's so dark out. <laughs> it's, and as soon as you turn the lights on, two things happen. You're a child of light now. When you turn your lights on, two things happen. Number one, you can see. Woo-hoo! Not going to die driving on this road. And number two, you can be seen. There's a purpose now to your life as a Christian. You're a child of light. Not only are you not in darkness, but people can now see the way to God through you. It's that important. So number one, stay in the light. Can I just exhort you Christians here? If you're in the light, what that literally means is it means you are agreeing with the truth. Okay? It doesn't mean you're perfect. Don't even think that. Look around. You know what I'm saying? But it means you agree with the truth. You sit here and you say, yep, there's a God and I'm not him. Theology 101. And what he says, I believe, and that settles it. And he's right. He's true. And when you walk in the light and you believe what he said, man, it allows you then to not make excuses for yourself. You don't have to walk in shame or darkness because it's not really about you. It's about him. If you're in the light, all that means is you're agreeing with the truth. doesn't mean you're perfect or even doing great. You know how this looks, by the way? If you're a Christian here today, you can easily call me or a sister or a brother and say, I'm blowing it. I, I'm not doing right. I'm, I'm actually upside down. I'm not even afraid to say it. I know for a fact, because the, the lights are on, you know? When the lights are on, like, I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And you think sometimes God doesn't know what you're doing when you turn your lights off at your house, like, what are they doing down there? Listen, <laughs> from the sounds, I'm a little concerned. What are they doing? <laughs> Listen, the lights are on. And when the lights are on, I would love to see this. I'm just going to say it. I don't have time to even develop it. But you have a grand privilege of walking in truth and humility with one another, in relationships and in life groups, friendships and in marriages and parenting. You don't have to pretend that you don't know what's going on or pretend you're even ashamed of what you've done wrong. The lights are on. And you can walk in the light. To walk in the light means to be honest with your sin Honest with your weaknesses the lights are on honest with your inabilities honest with the people when you're honest with me and honest I do counseling all the time and I actually I was gonna say dread it But I stopped myself so I didn't say that Here's what I dread about it is when people want to talk to me and they're not completely honest I don't have time for that but when someone's totally honest, here's my stuff, and it's all on the table. Like, whoa, cool! You know, <laughs> did you know this was in there? You know, and we deal with it. <laughs> it's a privilege for you, husbands and wives, friends and family, church body together. If you're in the light, man, you don't don't ignore that fact. It's a You were once in darkness where you hid everything, nobody knew the real you, nobody understood, you didn't want people to see. He says, don't walk in the light. And if you walk in the light and and stay out of the darkness, what does it mean to stay out of the darkness? It means don't do dark things. Okay, don't be a weirdo. Don't go back to the dark stuff. Don't have dark thoughts. Don't have a dark mouth. Don't Just the darkness, man. The darkness will mess you up. I can take a pig, okay? And I can wash that pig and put some Estee Lauder on it, and make it smell pretty, you know? And a little pink bow, you know? And maybe give it like a, a nose ring, you know, all pretty, you know? And, and I can watch. As soon as that pig sees mud, what's it going to do? Well, I got this pink ribbon on and I got this perfume. I don't want to touch that mud no more. Right? No, no. That pig's like, I'm about it. You know? It's in there. Okay, that pig's all about the darkness because it's a pig. And so, too, as Christians, you're sheep. You're not pigs. You've been changed. You who were once pigs are now sheep. He's what he's saying. You were dark. Go ahead and do whatever you want. Now you're different. If I take a sheep and I throw a sheep in mud, that sheep's going to look at me like, what would you do that for? I don't belong in this mud. It's going to want out of the mud, cleaned up, sheared back, cleansed, healed. So, too, he says, don't walk in darkness anymore. Walk in the light. What's going to happen with that? Look at verse 9. He says, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. The fruit, the fruit, the fruit, the fruit. We want fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. How do you, you guys, are any gardeners here? Any, any gardeners just love it when the sun doesn't come out ever? No, no light? You know, you want to grow a fruit tree or grow anything at all, you need light. Okay, that's why you moved to Newport. You're like, it's perfect, you know? No, dude, you know what I'm saying. Listen, you know, though, the next verse talks about fruit of the Spirit, the righteousness, and love. It only comes from the light. And I would just ask you, how's your fruit right now? Okay, I'm not trying to inspect your fruit. I'm not trying to be a sin sniffer. But are you fruity right now? Is there, is there, is there virtue and joy and peace and love? Just It's easy to, for you to know. I don't need to know. You need to know. And if there's no fruit, it's because there's no light. And if there is light, there's gonna automatically be fruit. It's just the way it is. The, the two go hand in hand. Verse 10, he says, finding out, here's what the Christian, here's how you walk in victory, in the, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Man, when you become a Christian, you get to discern what pleases him. And you get to look out for God's will, not just your own will. And we tend to want to know what I want to do. Isn't that how you were born and raised? Like, what do I want to do? You ask your kids, you know, what do you guys want for dinner? And they tell you, and you're like, too bad. you get something else, you know? <laughs> and you know, you, you, I want this, and I want that. And he says, find out, verse 10. Find out what God's will is. Yeah, this is a joy, by the way. Jesus modeled it and taught it. He said, not my will, but thy will be done. And he wanted God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, too, if you're a Christian here, man. What a joy. God wants to use your life for his will, not your will. Your will's boring, by the way. Okay, what you want to do, like, I just want to do this, and over here, and this should work, and God's like, what? How boring. Don't you realize that you're an eternal person having a human experience? Do things radical now. Do my will, and for eternity, we're going to watch the highlight film, okay? For eternity, we're going to enjoy the dividends. Don't sell out for just your will. And if you have enough humility today to say, yeah, my will's kind of dumb. Like, I, I'm usually wrong, you know, I've made some decisions and just kind of bleh, gone through with it. Like, that's not God's will at all. Humble yourself today and discern, verse 10, what God's will is. Acceptable and ask him and, 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 and enjoy that process. Ask him even today, Lord, is this what you want to do? Right now, as, as this is happening practically for me and my family, as we uh, navigate and the staff here as well, as we navigate where the church should go and what land we should buy or what building we should obtain, Lord, is this your will? Is this your will? Well, please just tell us your will. We don't want anything except your will, because where God guides, he provides, and it's legit, and he gets the glory, and we get the fruit, and everything goes right. As a matter of fact, he says, not just finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, verse 11, but he says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. He says, don't, don't associate with dark things. He doesn't say dark people. He doesn't say don't associate with them because that would be impossible to not associate with sinful people. You'd have to move to Canada or something. <laughs> is that true? That's not true. You got, you got to, where else is there? You, the Mars. I heard Mars has some room with no, sin, no sinners involved. He says don't associate with sinful behavior. You know, and the Holy Spirit who's in you will convict you. And you'll know I, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't do this. I was really praying this verse in this morning as I was studying it out. Look, I mean, just have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose or reprove them. I believe this is one of the Achilles heels in Christianity today. Man, I want to totally go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. I totally believe in Jesus. I don't believe in anything else. But I don't really want to change my life. You know what I'm saying? I just kind of want to settle in the back or just kind of over here. And Man, don't go to hell. That is a really good idea. I think I will get on that boat. Is there room for me? You know, it's like, yeah. That's. But how about living for him until you get there? Eh, this is a hard one. I'm going to be right there with you. What does this look like in your life? Don't have fellowship with unfruitful works verse 11 i have no fellowship so is, is there fruit being produced Noah Hines shared that when he went to the country fair that it felt really good it felt right okay it was a false fruit it was a counterfeit fruit because it was what the holy spirit produces but in a way that doesn't honor god or draw people to him and so in your life you have to ask is this a false fruit this relationship i'm a part of because i feel love and i feel intimacy and i feel this and he says careful you gotta sit in the Lord and walk His way, and you'll stand in victory. But it must be His will, not just your will. Doesn't mean you can't love people. Doesn't mean you can't even be friends with them. But uh, you can't go with them when they do the things that are unfruitful. Uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, D.L. Moody was fond of saying that character is what you do in the dark. Okay. And there's all kinds of unfruitful things that go on in darkness, and he's he's contrasting this. Verse verse 12 tells us, for it's even shameful to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Don't even talk about that stuff. Did you know there's something weird and perverse in our culture that loves to talk about other people? I think it's not just our culture, it's every culture. As a matter of fact, to run a political campaign, one of the primary giftings is to talk trash about another person, okay? That's one of the primary giftings is to talk evil about somebody. When you watch the news, primarily what they're broadcasting is the evil that is going on in our culture. It's, he says, don't do that. Don't, don't even talk about evil stuff. Don't, it's not even worth it, man. Talk about the good that is going on. He says in verse 13, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. What he's saying here, because you're a child of light now, he's saying the things that are exposed are made exposed, they're made manifest by the light. The the light just shows what things are. You don't need to talk about all this garbage down here. Just be the light. Did you know that when the lights go on, it doesn't make anything bad at all. It just shows it what it really is. When the light comes on, when you read God's book and just put his book over you, it doesn't make you a bad person, okay? It just illuminates the stuff in your life that is out of order it shows you and that's a blessing did you know that light can manipulate or can hide or can also illuminate the things going on? When you go to the grocery store, they have certain lighting for all the sections. You realize this, right? There's certain lighting for the produce. Oh, this produce looks amazing. You know, you buy it and you go to the meat section. It's a totally different lighting spectrum. Like, Oh my goodness, this is like, this, is this cow still alive? You know, and you buy the cow and, you know, and you go to the home decor section. and It's not the the, the the bright stuff. It's now it's like the warm and this couch is more comfortable than I've ever had in my life. You know, and all this lighting stuff. Listen. He says, you're a child of light, okay? And your light will expose that which is dark. It just shows it for what it is. It's just God's attempt to identify what is happening around you. This may be the last verse we get to study today. At the 6 p.m. service, we're going to go for the whole thing, so just come back. He says this, therefore he says, I like that. He's just saying, man, you're a child of light out for the darkness it'll mess with you that the light is so good it's so great therefore he says awake you who sleep and arise from the dead and christ will give you light did you know that life doesn't stop for anything okay when you take a nap I think I took a four-hour nap yesterday. Don't tell anybody. I had to get up and did, I did a sunrise wedding under the bridge or by the bridge yesterday, and I just I didn't sleep well. And I got home, and I put my sermon together in the morning. I was like, honey, can I take a nap today? And I, I slept. I just slept. Did you know that while I was sleeping, they did a bunch of stuff? You know, they did stuff. They went to Fred Meyer's. They went to the library. They drove around. They did stuff, cleaned the house, all this crazy stuff. And I'm like sleeping. you know. I was like, what would you guys do? I had to, Where would you guys go? I was like, would, you, would you have fun? Did you make experiences and memories? Did you do stuff? Did you know life won't stop for you while you're snoozing through it? There's stuff going on, even today. We've, we've been here at the church for six years doing things, services, raising up leaders and having people come to know Jesus and life groups starting and people forging relationships and youth groups and parachurch ministries like Young Life. And yet he says, wake up. Wake up, don't don't miss it. It's just gonna keep going. And he's not talking a a natural slumber like I took yesterday, a justified nap. It's okay, don't blame me. Don't shame me. Don't judge me. What he's talking about is a spiritual slumber, a spiritual lethargy, a spiritual laziness where you just, ah, I don't know, I don't see the things of God as being that important in my life. I don't see the purpose in my identity leading to a really important activity in order to establish my destiny. I just don't see that. He said, wake up. Wake up, O oh sleeper, rise from the dead. Let Christ give you life and you'll walk then in the light. And I'll tell you what, these things that he's identified. please just give me your heart for a minute. The things that he's identifying for the young people and for the older people too, he's saying these things will slowly broaden or should I say lessen the lights in your spirit and you'll find yourself walking lazily, spiritually. You'll find yourself walking without a purpose and without a point. As a matter of fact, I was back there talking with my dad right before the service began during worship. And my dad just said, Hey, Luke, I just I love you, and and I just love praying for you. I love praying for your family. And he's just telling me how his week went. I love praying for the church. And, And when he was saying all that, I just was saying, you know what's fun about all that, dad, is that this is all gonna count. Everything we're doing here is gonna count. Praying for my family, praying for the spirit, praying for the life groups, praying for the new property, praying for young life, praying for whatever. It's gonna count. It's gonna go to heaven forever and it's gonna be eternal bliss. And God says, I don't want you to miss that. What about my fantasy football team, though? Uh, yeah, let's. Uh, you know, what about what about World of Warcraft? Have you ever played that, God? It's really good. You know, I'm, I'm working real hard to be a guild leader. You know, she's not. No, no, wake up! Don't waste your life. Don't. Did you know that the average high school student, by the time they graduate, will have spent more time watching TV than going to school? Now, I know TV is a real good educator, and I know it blesses us and makes our you know minds you know sharp and our hearts soft. We actually teach our kids the opposite. We say careful with how much screen time you have because it will actually make your heart hard and your mind soft, guaranteed. Did you know that the average adult male, while he may be adult in his bodily form but is adolescent in his mind, the average adult male spends three to four hours per day playing video games? Okay, we're talking about adults here. And he says, wake up, careful. Our culture is slowly slipping down. Don't miss out on what I have for. For you, I'm going to have the worship team come on up And we're just going to celebrate and take communion together And and thank God for what he's done and what he's doing You guys get the grand opportunity As a matter of fact, right now everyone Join me by pushing your beard up and checking your pulse Everyone check your pulse, check your pulse with me If you have a pulse here, a physical pulse here this morning You have a purpose You absolutely have a purpose The fact that your life is here, and your heart is beating, and the fact that God has called you out of darkness into light is a gift. The fact you're at the 9 a.m. service at South Beach Church today, maybe for the first time ever, maybe that's the first time you're here, You, you heard some stories today, you saw some testimonies, life groups are starting, discipleship in January, we got all kinds of fun stuff, and you're here, and your life counts, and God says, I love you just the way you are today. There is nothing you have done or nothing you will do that I did not pay for and that I was not sacrificed for. I love you and I've forgiven you of all of your sins. Do not let that then go to waste. Now that you sit in me, would you stand? Would you stand and walk? Would you walk in the things of God and understand my heart for you? So I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes before we come to the table and worship in communion and response. Lord, I trust you. I trust you Lord to speak to every man and every woman here just to do it in Jesus name right now just touch their heart let them know that that it's them you created them in your image and they were born into a broken world brokenness all around them parental brokenness familial pressure from the beginning yet they were created in your image they're they're different than the animal kingdom very different they're different than the, the, the plant kingdom very different special've given to them DNA that no one can explain fingerprints that have never been mimicked personalities, physiological makeup that is one of a kind for every every person ever more ever born one of a kind and born into brokenness and born into pain, You sent your son Jesus and said, hey, I'm going to pay for all of it. The sins of the whole world. And I'm going to call you out of darkness. I'm going to make you alive and I'm going to invite you to walk in the light. It's my light. It's not yours. I turn it on. And I invite you to come out of darkness and to say yes to God. No to death. No to hell. No to sin. Lord, I pray right now that you just speak to every gal here. Just say, you're mine. I got you. I love you. Remind them right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Remind them right now, Lord, that their steps are ordered. And I just ask, Lord, that you would speak to every dude here right now, every guy. It doesn't matter his age. Every guy right now, just speak to him. That his life is here on purpose. That there is a purpose for living in 2016. That every guy, every gal here, Lord, has a a reason to live, to walk in the light. So we would see you and so others would see. They would see you in us. If you're here today, I'll just make this simple opportunity for you to respond before we take communion. If you want to ask God to help you be awake. To wake up from anything you've fallen asleep over. To wake up in any area where you're just dozing off. Maybe you're messed up. Maybe you're mistaken. Would you just right now, by way of saying, Lord, wake me up? Raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Give him permission. Humble yourself this morning. And say, Yeah, wake me up. Wake me up. Wake me up, Lord. If I'm asleep, then I give you permission to wake me up through whatever way you want because you're God and I'm not. Raise your hand right now. Maybe you want to be waking up. Maybe you feel like you're just so so sleepy, so tired, so it's so hard. You raise your hand high and say, Lord, I want to wake up. I'm not just giving you permission. Lord, please don't let my life go to waste. Please wake me up, Lord. If I'm asleep, if I've slumbered, if I've failed, if I'm off, if I'm down, if I'm wrong, then, Lord, I give you permission to rescue me once again. Raise your hand up nice and high. Just do it. Say, yes, Lord. Wake me up for your glory. And Lord, as hands are going up and people are praying right now in Jesus' name, do it. Do it, Lord. Only you can do it. You're the one who does it. And as we come to the table now, we celebrate, Lord, your death, your burial, your resurrection. We look forward to what you're going to do this coming fall, Lord, this school year, this next session of life groups, Lord, this discipleship program, this church, Lord, this next building, this next you, Lord, get the glory. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray.